0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD, this activity entitled Tensinovial Giant Cell Tumor, TGCT. New Perspectives on Advances in Treatment is provided by Prova Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives.
1: Tensinovial Giant Cell Tumor's or TGCT for short, are rare non-malignant tumors that can involve joint synovia, bursa, or even the tendon sheath, leading to significant morbidity and compromised quality of life. While many patients can be treated with surgery, surgery is not necessarily a cure. And what happens when surgery is not an option? This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. William Tapp. Joining me to discuss the surgical and medical management of TGCT are Dr. Sylvia Stacchiati, Andrew Wagner, Michael van der Sandy.
0: Welcome to you all. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you for having me today on this very interesting and necessary discussion on the treatment of t giant cell tumors.
3: Thank you very much for inviting me to participate to this very interesting discussion together with my colleague about such a rare and interesting tumor.
1: TGCT is certainly a rare condition that frequently goes undiagnosed for quite some time. Dr. Wagner, can you tell us a little bit about TGCT and can you please walk us through some of the important things we should know about this disease?
0: Sure. Uh, Teno giant cell tumor, or TGCT, uh, sometimes called pigmented villonodular synovitis, is a rare condition. It typically presents in the joints, um, most typically in the knee or hip or ankle, uh, but it also can occur uh, as a similar condition in the fingers or the uh, flexor compartments of the limbs. It can affect people of any age, although it is something that commonly affects younger people, young adults um, in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Because these are usually very active people, it often shows up as a swollen joint that can be painful, and it's thought to be traumatic. Uh, And the patient will often present to uh, an orthopedic surgeon or sports medicine specialist. Sometimes it can take a while to reach a diagnosis because of uh, the possibilities of other diagnoses. Um, It often will be clearer on imaging if imaging is performed, such as an MRI scan with a characteristic appearance, um, and this can be confirmed by a biopsy. What's become really interesting about this tumor is the discovery several years ago of a characteristic translocation in the cells in the tumor. A small proportion of the cells are actually the neoplastic cells. These cells contain a characteristic translocation involving a collagen gene and the gene encoding a protein called CSF1. This leads to constitutive overproduction of CSF1, and these cells then draw in other normal cells, normal inflammatory histiocytic cells, to form this tumor mass. The mass is very inflammatory and can cause pain, can cause joint destruction, can cause swelling, can cause bleeding within the joints. And this is what leads to the clinical presentation of patients. For some patients with tenosynovial giant cell tumor, surgery alone can cure them of the disease. But unfortunately for many others, the disease recurs. And if the disease remains in the, in the uh, joint space, it can cause really significant morbidity. This can lead to destruction of cartilage and accelerated arthritis, leading to early joint replacements. It also can cause pain, functional limitations in terms of range of motion, Uh, and uh, joint instability. So our patients that we see with advanced disease in the joints can really be suffering. They often are on uh, narcotic pain medications, and in some cases, antidepressants. Some are unable to work because of their symptoms. These are patients who often no longer have an acceptable surgical outcome. And for these, we really need to find an effective medical therapy.
1: So when we are presented with a patient with TGCT, Dr. van de Sande, how do you determine if this patient is a good candidate for surgical management
2: or possibly may best be suited for medical management? Thank you for that. Uh, very uh, interesting question. It's, I think, very important to differentiate patients that are primary patients that have never had any treatment before uh, to patients that had many treatments before already. And if there are patients with a long history of surgeries or uh, systemic treatment, uh, even radiotherapy, it becomes more and more difficult to uh, successfully remove the tumor tissue from the joint and keep functional joints and a happy patient after the surgery. And other factors, of course, that make us decide if surgery is still possible, uh, are both uh, patient-specific factors, such as location in the body, but also in and around the joint, because when it's outside of the joint, it's less uh, easy to take out the tumor without morbidity to either the joint or the extremity. So location and former treatment, both are important factors for us to decide if surgery is possible. Finally, I think describing a single patient that is not suitable for surgery is very difficult. And the optimal way to assessing who, should benef- who could benefit from surgery and who could benefit from systemic treatment is a decision that needs to be made together with the oncologist, the patient, and the surgeon. So all sides of the treatment, both response rates or surgical success rates versus complications and side effects need to be addressed. And then the patient together with their whole team of physicians can make a decision for either surgical or either non-surgical treatment. In patients with a localized disease, often the resection is simple and therefore not very difficult. It makes post-operative rehabilitation short and pain easily managed with uh, light pain medication. But if it's disease uh, diffuse in the joint, even outside the joint, it becomes a larger resection and I would specify it for the knee as most patients in about 65% have the location of the TGCT in the knee. Tumor in the front of the knee, intra-articular, is painful to resect and when you resect it, the post-operative time in hospitals often five days. They are under general anesthetic and use epidurals to have sufficient pain relief and be able to directly start with rehabilitation and flex the knee. The surgical resection of the extra articular location, mostly in the back of the knee, in the posterior side of the knee is less painful, but still uh, provides patients with an incision and the scar in the front and in the back of the knee. And this needs to be balanced with the risk of having a local recurrence for diffuse disease, which is, according to our publication in The Lancet, around 50% within five years. So if patients would accept a high risk of local recurrence within five years, but a long rehabilitation period after the surgery, the surgery is still a good
1: option. Dr. Stachiati, in a scenario where surgery is not the most optimal approach, what options do we have at our recourse as medical oncologists for the treatment of TGCT?
3: So based from what we know from clinical studies and clinical experience, A medical treatment for TGCT patient is advisable, if available, in adult patients suffering of local-regional advanced relapse of TGCT not amenable of surgical resection, uh, suffering of uh, symptoms uh, and with the radiologic evidence of uh, disease progression, or even symptoms are not there, the radiologic evidence of sint- of uh, progression can be enough when the disease is uh, located at a critical uh, site. Patients should should be, of course, very clearly informed of uh, the benefit expected with the treatment and uh, also of the risk of uh, side effects, uh, which is related to the treatment, the medical treatment they are going to receive. Uh, Available treatment currently varies a lot across countries, so uh, formally, uh, the only approved drug for treatment of advanced TGCT is pexidartinib in the US, while uh, this drug is uh, still under assessment in uh, Europe by EMA. Uh, In Europe, so for example, no potentially active drug formally approved for disease are available so far. Uh, This means that uh, our patients in Europe do uh, have access uh, only to off-label treatment in those countries where uh, this is uh, possible.
1: So thank you, Dr. Stacchiati. I think it's critical, as you said, to truly understand what are the needs of our patients and potentially what are the goals of the treatments that we're trying to offer them. And this is something that often comes out with long discussions with our patients. I think the other important thing to realize is sometimes when patients come to tertiary care centers that really have expertise in this disease, there can be tremendous improvements in symptoms just by bringing in supportive care services, physical therapy, better pain, pain control, and actually beginning to discuss with patients what we may actually be able to do from a medical standpoint to improve their conditions. Then we really can start to think about medications and what is the appropriate time to use those medications. I often find that even with just supportive care measures, we can even begin to delay the use of medical treatments for our patients. And then when we do decide to use them, we have to think about the risk profile of the different medications that we have available in the United States. We are fortunate here that we can often use drugs such as imatinib and nib off-label. These are weaker inhibitors of CSF1 receptor, and so they can allow for improvements in conditions, but we tend not to see the dramatic shrinkages in the size of the tumor mass that we can often see with some of the stronger CSF1R inhibitors, such as pexidartinib. However, the side effect profile of these drugs are well known we often use these drugs in many of our patients with certain malignancies so we can really set the expectations for our patients I think our patients do understand that with these drugs we can often allow for stability potentially some slight shrinkage of their disease but really help with symptoms alternative to this is the stronger CSF1R inhibitors such as pexidartinib which has been approved by the FDA or even newer drugs coming out on clinical trials with these drugs we tend to see dramatic improvements in the tumor mass, inflammation, as well as quick improvements in symptoms that are related to TGCT. Oftentimes as been discussed before, patients may have other issues with their joint because of the long-standing disease, the joint destruction that it caused, or even the various surgeries they may have. These types of symptoms need to be mitigated with other supportive services, as I mentioned before. But regardless, with the use of drugs such as pexidartinib, we have to have strong considers of some of the rare toxicities that we are seeing with this drug, such as we mentioned before, such as the colostatic hepatotoxicity. This is a very rare and unpredictable side effect of the drug that we really have to educate our patients about to determine if the drug is right for them. And I think this is critical in the informed discussions that we can have with with our patients. So as Dr. Stacchiati mentioned, we do now have one approved therapy, pexidartinib, in the United States for patients with TGCT. Dr. Wagner, can you provide some information on how this agent works and maybe walk us through some of the results of the phase three enliven study that supported its approval?
0: Sure. This is the first prospective placebo-controlled study of a drug in patients with tenosynovial giant cell tumor. It enrolled 120 patients who were randomly assigned to receive either pexidartinib or placebo in a blinded fashion. They received the study drug for up to uh, 24 weeks, at which time their assignment could be unblinded, and patients were then permitted to cross over to pexidartinib if they were found to have received placebo in the first 24 weeks. The results were pretty impressive. There was a 39% response rate by resist in patients receiving pexidartinib in those first 24 weeks, and a 0% response rate in patients receiving placebo. Now one of the real challenges of tenosynovial giant cell tumor is in how we measure the disease. It is not a spherical lesion that has very defined dimensions. It is very typically multilobulated, extending in different dimensions, and there's no simple way to measure the extent of disease. Resist is not a perfect tool for this, so another metric called the tumor volume score was developed that determines the size of the tumor in proportion to the maximally distended uh, volume of the synovial cavity. Using this metric, the response rate was even higher, now 56% um, in patients in the first phase, the first 24 weeks of the study. With further follow-up, both by RESIST and by the tumor volume score, the response rates increased further, suggesting that patients uh, did not necessarily all reach their maximal benefit in those first 24 weeks. In addition to measuring changes in the size of the tumor, the study also measured changes in patient-reported outcomes, including the PROMIS physical function scale, range of motion, patient-reported stiffness, and pain, and showed statistically significant improvements in these with the exception of pain where there was a trend to improvement that did not meet statistical significance. So altogether, from an efficacy perspective, pexidartinib resulted in a greater reduction in size of tumor and improvement in patient symptoms compared to placebo.
1: So as we wrap up our discussion, I'd like to thank my guests, Sylvia Stacchiati, Andrew Wagner, Michael van der Sandy, for helping us to better understand new options for the management of TGCT. It was really great speaking with all of you.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks for allowing me to participate in this important discussion about treatment options for tenosnovial giant cell tumor.
3: Thank you very much for having me with you.
0: You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com Prova.